Do you love a good cigar? I do. That's why I love my Patriot cigars. These are the highest quality long-leaf Nicaraguan tobacco cigars, and believe me, the price is right. So go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use promo code STONE for 25% off. Free shipping on orders over $100. Go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use promo code STONE. Premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone. And yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. Yesterday was a federal holiday. It was President's Day. Originally, the holiday was set up to commemorate the birthday of our first president, and among our greatest, George Washington. That's actually on February 22nd. Later, uh, the Congress uh, would broaden uh, the day to celebrate all American presidents. Uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, among those that are not on that list, well, that would be Hillary Clinton. Uh, if Donald Trump achieved nothing else great, and he actually did many great things as president, he kept Hillary Clinton out of the White House. For that reason alone, he should rank as among our greatest presidents. That is, after all, how the New York Times uh, and a study by two leftist historians, uh, a fellow by the name of, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Mr. Roddingsworth, Roddingsham, whatever, uh, these two liberal uh, historians produced a rating, a ranking uh, of the American presidents first to last. Now, incredibly, Joe Biden uh, ranked uh, among American presidents uh, as the 14th best president in the country. Obviously, they don't base these ratings on the actual results or impact of their presidential administration. Donald Trump, on the other hand, uh, ranked, uh, I believe, 45th uh, out of all presidents. Uh, that would be, if you read the New York Times story, based solely uh, on the fact uh, Biden is rated above him solely because he defeated Trump. Now, uh, obviously, the impact of their policies is not taken into consideration. Here to help me break this down uh, is my co-host, Troy Smith of Launching Liberty. Troy, welcome back into the Stone Zone. Roger, uh, it's an honor to be here as always. And this list, uh, you know, it's it's a it's really a whopper. And and uh, the names, by the way, uh, Brandon Roddinghouse and Justin Vaughn. Um, and and when you're reviewing this list, Roger, you see Biden at number fourteen. Um, and and one of the shocking things that I also saw that Lyndon Baines Johnson is ranked ahead of John F. Kennedy. Um, and and on, on top of that, Reagan is ranked below Bill Clinton, uh, George H.W. Bush, 
uh, is ranked above Trump and, and George W. Bush as well. I mean, it's just really an unbelievable list. Uh, and, and it's kind of it kind of highlights the the insanity within academia, Roger. I mean, these are two scholars. Uh, when you send your kids to college, Roger, these are the kind of people that are teaching them. If you look at this list and you look at some of the placements of Obama and you look at the, the placement of Biden, uh, the idea that we're supposed to uh, accept that this is a legitimate list, not politically skewed, um, pretty, pretty absurd. And if we were really just even going off of accomplishments, you know, uh, like you said in your intro there, this list makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense, especially with Biden at 14. I think that's the ultimate insult here. Yeah, let's take a look at it if we could. I mean, uh, I have no argument with Abraham Lincoln, uh, certainly among our greatest presidents. Obviously, the historians overlook the fact that he suspended habeas corpus. He actually suspended a section of the U.S. Constitution uh, during the Civil War. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, I actually don't argue with that either. I had Lord Conrad Black on my WABC radio show last weekend, who has written uh, a phenomenal biography of FDR. Uh, as a conservative, I also have a grudging admiration uh, for Roosevelt. George Washington, uh, no quibble with that. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt comes in fourth. Uh, it, it's interesting because Roosevelt uh, was a very popular uh, president during his presidency, uh, but by the time of his death, he had really been reduced uh, to a national joke. Uh, he bolted the Republican Party in 1912 after he could not wrest the Republican nomination from his handpicked successor, William Howard Taft, uh, to form the Bull Moose or Progressive Party. That split the vote, allowing for the election of the man. I believe they have Woodrow Wilson on this list. I'm not seeing his rating at the moment. Uh, He's at number Woodrow, 15, Roger. Woodrow Wilson was a virulent, hateful racist, a man who uh, brutally enforced segregation in the country. He was among our very worst uh, presidents. Uh, it, they list Thomas Jefferson. I don't argue with that. I'm glad to see uh, Dwight Eisenhower getting his due. He is uh, eighth on their list. Now, Eisenhower's uh, presidency is extraordinarily underrated because Eisenhower himself was so extraordinarily low key. Uh, but under Dwight Eisenhower, the country had uh, uh, unprecedented peace and prosperity. He ended the war in Korea, which for some reason we call the conflict and refused to acknowledge was a war. He resisted the attempts to uh, move off of a balanced budget in order to sustain an enormous defense buildup. As a military man, Dwight Eisenhower knew that our national defenses were more than sufficient, uh, and he turned a deaf ear to those in the Pentagon who were insisting that he unbalance the budget, he go into deficit spending, for an enormous defense buildup. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, this is uh, absurd, Lyndon Johnson is the president who decided to dip into the Social Security Trust Fund in order to balance his budget. So federal spending out of uh, 
funds that were supposed to be set aside for the retirement of Americans in the social security system. Uh, it is also, uh, of course, uh, the president who uh, who got us deeper and deeper into the Vietnam controversy. Well, that's because he and Lady Bird uh, owned thousands and thousands of shares of Bell Helicopter stack, stock, uh, General Dynamics stock, uh, Sikorsky uh, Helicopter stock. They made millions off of the Vietnam War. Lyndon Johnson, of course, a lifelong segregationist who as president uh, of, pardon me, as a majority leader of the U.S. Senate, killed every significant piece of civil rights legislation through the 1950s. And in 1958, when the U.S. Senate finally passed a civil rights bill, he inserted a poison pill provision uh, that held that anyone charged under that law would be tried by a state rather than a federal jury. That meant that in Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia, that, well, uh, no white man charged with a crime against a black man, would, despite the evidence or facts, would be found guilty. Uh, as you know, I also believe Lyndon Johnson orchestrated the murder of his predecessor, uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, speaking of John F. Kennedy, where did he list? Where did he rank here in the lists, Troy? Well, and, and Roger, that was the kind of the concerning thing. They have LBJ at nine, and then they have Kennedy behind him. So, in these people's estimation, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson was a better president than than Kennedy. And I think even the approval ratings of Kennedy and Johnson kind of disprove that. I mean, you could speak to that as somebody who's kind of studied this very closely. Kennedy remains one of the most popular presidents of all time, no? Well, it, it's interesting. Kennedy, of course, sadly only served three years uh, of his term, uh, and therefore uh, he did not accomplish the things that he sought to accomplish. However, uh, he did uh, rebuild our military strength post-Eisenhower. Uh, he was demanding a silver-backed dollar at the time of his death. Uh, he deeply distrusted the intelligence agencies, but that was based on their lies to him surrounding the Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba, which turned out to be a fiasco. Uh, he was popular because of the uh, public notion of his handling of the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, it wasn't until 40 years later that Americans learned that Robert and John Kennedy had made a secret deal with Russian leader Nikita Khrushchev to remove our missiles, uh, our NATO missiles from Greece and Turkey in return for a pledge by Khrushchev that he would remove the Russian missiles that had been placed in Cuba a mere 90 miles off our shore. One of the great ironies, of course, is that John F. Kennedy ran in 1960 as a champion of civil rights, but once he became president, his vice president, Lyndon Johnson persuaded him to take no action on housing rights, voting rights, civil rights, uh, actually telling Johnson, pardon me, telling Kennedy that since all the chairmen of the major and powerful committees in the U.S. Senate were Southerners, that Kennedy's entire program would be killed if he dared keep his pledge on civil rights. What Johnson was really doing was reserving that, of course, for himself. Johnson, I'm convinced, who had a lifelong record as a segregationist uh, and uh, who once famously said, 
uh, I'll have those N-word voting Democratic for the next hundred years, uh, actually, I think, enacted civil rights legislation uh, to provide him the cover he needed on the left to go much, much deeper into Vietnam. Uh, The idea of Johnson as being the ninth best president in American history uh, is an extraordinary joke. Uh, I'm not sure why James Madison comes up 11th. Bill Clinton as 12th. Uh, In retrospect, when you see the radical progressivism of today's presidency uh, in Barack Obama, I have to admit, Bill Clinton, at least policy-wise, looks like a true moderate. Uh, It was Bill Clinton called for securing our southern border. It was Bill Clinton who insisted on welfare reform. Uh, Clinton uh, looks like uh, a moderate compared to today's Democratic Party. Uh, This rating of Trump versus Biden is really uh, what I want to get at. Uh, If you read the New York Times article, what they really rank as Joe Biden's great accomplishment, the one that got him uh, the position as the 14th best president in American history, uh, is the fact that he defeated Donald Trump. So obviously they don't take into consideration uh, his uh, epic uh, inflation, uh, the epic gas prices exacerbated by his draining of the strategic petroleum reserves that are supposed to be set aside for emergencies and wartime. Uh, They don't seem to notice that he is uh, mincing closer and closer to world war uh, in both uh, Ukraine uh, and in the Middle East. Uh, The Bidenomics numbers are entirely cooked. Uh, Sure, we have a record low unemployment, if you don't count the 784,000 people who stopped looking for work in December. Uh, They're even better if you don't count the 2 million people who have stopped looking for work since Joe Biden became a president. Then, of course, uh, Troy, there's the seasonal adjustment of the numbers. Uh, That's because there are so many people who take part-time jobs uh, during the Christmas and holiday seasons. But if you look a little deeper at the numbers, you see two amazing things. One, while the GDP, the gross domestic product, has uh, moved up, the gross domestic income number has remained flat. That means there has not really been a palpable increase of the income of the American people. Also interesting uh, is the fact that under Joe Biden, the number of hours the average American works has dropped down to 31.4, the lowest in 30 years. That means uh, that people are taking home less. Uh, Also uh, important to recognize uh, in these numbers uh, is the fact that the great shift, uh, the majority of the new jobs created, They claim creation of 1.3 million new jobs. 900,000 of those are, when you read the small print, part-time jobs. So uh, Biden's only uh, justification on a list compiled by a bunch of liberal academics uh, is his defeat of Donald Trump. Now let's talk about Donald Trump, uh, who uh, ranks 45th out of our presidents. Trump brought us unprecedented prosperity. 
the, the greatest rate of wage growth, the greatest rate of job growth, the lowest levels of unemployment uh, among all Americans, black Americans, white Americans, young Americans, old Americans, urban Americans, uh, 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 rural Americans. Uh, he changed the tax laws to bring billions of dollars back into the United States to create jobs here, to expand businesses here. Uh, he brought back tens of thousands of our troops from the Middle East without having the countries that they were serving in collapse behind them, unlike Joe Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, and I think it is notable that he's the only president in modern times who started no new wars. Uh, it is notable uh, that the Russians did not invade Ukraine under Donald Trump. The Chinese did not move on Taiwan during Trump's presidency, uh, in both cases because he warned them that the consequences would be swift and brutal. Uh, they don't know whether Trump really would have attacked Moscow or Peking, but he said he would. And well, as he himself put it, there was at least a 10% chance in their minds that, well, he might actually do it. That unpredictability uh, is what kept the peace. It is also uh, the fact that Donald Trump, uh, I think, has, based on his uh, uh, historic uh, fostering of the Abraham Accords in the Middle East, which nobody said could actually be done, uh, and the fact that he was able to bring the dictator of North Korea uh, to the table for meaningful discussions about lessening the tensions uh, with that uh, nuclear power, uh, that Donald Trump has a track record as a peacemaker. Only Donald Trump can end the conflict uh, between Ukraine and Russia. The answer is clearly not to continue to ship them billions more to be stolen by the generals uh, and other Ukrainian politicians. And uh, I believe if elected president, Donald Trump would stop funding both sides of the war in the Middle East. Uh, it is undeniable, I read it in the Wall Street Journal, former Congressman uh, Anthony Weiner challenged me about this on WABC radio last weekend. But in fact, the Biden administration has moved to unfreeze $100 billion in frozen assets that would go to the Iranian regime. Why, Troy, would anyone believe the Iranians when they say that they're going to use that money strictly for humanitarian purposes, that they have no intention of using it to restart their nuclear weapons development program uh, or to fund their friends in Hamas or Hezbollah. Important to note that the Biden administration has worked with the UN to lift sanctions on Iran's oil exports. And because of that, Iran is exporting billions of dollars per year in oil. Uh, I believe the last figure that we came up with was somewhere around 60 or $70 billion per year. Um, and it's just an astounding number. Uh, and it's a number 
Uh, it's money that's not coming in for humanitarian purpose. Now, of course, you're right. They 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 unfroze a hundred billion dollars in in humanitarian aid, and we of course know what that's really going to be used for. But at the same time, the Biden administration has worked to lift sanctions that have brought in money that has no quote restrictions, even though we know they're not going to abide by the restrictions uh, anyway. So it's a it's a it's it's a complete empowerment of a terrorist regime, and that's what the Biden administration has kind of done. And we we saw that you know in the Obama administration, right? And I'd like you to comment on that, too, because we saw the Iran deal under uh, uh, Obama, and that was uh, Trump. Trump stated multiple times that that was one of the main reasons he decided to run for president was that deal. So uh, we examining the Obama administration, who, by the way, is uh, he's ranked eighth on this list. Uh, you, you're looking at, a, at, at an administration that kind of fostered the uh, empowerment of a terrorist state. And then a, the Biden administration ranked 14th. They're doing the same thing. Um, it's pretty unbelievable. And I think it shows you know, the political nature of this list. And it shows, you know, the fact that they put Trump 45th. I mean, it's just a total joke. I mean, we're talking that they, they put Andrew Johnson 43rd or 44th uh, uh, um, uh, and So, uh, you know, it's just it's it's just unbelievable, Roger. To, to Trump at 45 is a joke. And, and the idea that Obama, who, by the way, days ago got proven that he was breaking the law, spying on you and 25 other associates, of, of President Trump during his campaign before they had warrants to do anything. So I think it's uh, I think it's important to point out and it's important for people to analyze this stuff um, and to analyze where this is coming from because it comes from academia and this is what they're teaching your children. Uh, you make a very good point. Uh, Barack Obama is responsible for the largest single abuse of power in the history of the United States. That is, of course, the use of the full authority of the U.S. government and the extraordinary capability of our intelligence agencies utilizing evidence that they knew was fraudulent, that was fabricated, the Steele dossier, in order to rationalize the greatest single political dirty trick and abuse of power in American history. Uh, the uh, spying on Donald Trump's campaign, the uh, totally false assertions made to the FISA court in order to get warrants to do that, the repeated renewal of those warrants, despite they knew the underlying premise to justify them was false, uh, the uh, the launching of the Mueller investigation, which had no legitimate probable cause or predicate. Evidently, these two historians didn't take any of those outrageous civil liberties uh, and constitutional violations into consideration when they compile their list. Also putting George uh, W. Bush, where did, where did he end up here, uh, Troy? Uh, he ended up at 32. Uh, that's a, that's a, about right. George uh, W. Bush uh, spent like, uh, well, a liberal Democrat. Uh, he also, uh, under the tutelage of his vice president, war criminal Dick Cheney, uh, is responsible for the deaths of over one million people in a unnecessary war in Iraq. You will remember that the Bush-Cheney administration told us that Saddam Hussein, who we had propped up uh, in uh, uh, in uh, 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 let's see in uh, Iraq, uh, had weapons of mass destruction, which of course he didn't. They insisted he had yellow cake uranium for the development of atomic bombs. That was a lie also. And they told us that Iraq was involved uh, in the 9-11 hijacking 
uh, an attack on America when, in fact, the majority of the hijackers were Saudis. And to this day, the government will not release those sections of the 9-11 Commission report that relate to Saudi Arabia. What indeed are they hiding? Uh, George uh, W. Bush uh, is the one who ought to be uh, at the bottom of the list rather than one of our greatest presidents, uh, Donald Trump. All right, I think we beat this up pretty good. Uh, joining us now uh, is uh, Cara Castronova. She is uh, both an investigative reporter for the Gateway Pundit. She also has a great show uh, on Newsmax, uh, which is called The Wise Guys, which she co-anchors. Uh, she has been a tireless advocate uh, for the U.S. Constitution. She has been a, an intrepid uh, and dogged uh, investigative reporter regarding the events of January 6th. Uh, and uh, she was most recently a Republican candidate for the New York State Assembly, uh, where she ran an uphill but valiant campaign in what was probably a hopeless district. She joins us today because she decided late last week to be a candidate for the U.S. Senate. Cara Castronova joins us now in the Stone Zone. Thank you. Hey, Roger, you. how are you doing? Cara, welcome. I know you were up at 645 in the morning because I heard you on WABC radio with Sid Rosenberg. Uh, you recognize uh, that you have now bitten off quite a task. For those who are not familiar, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand uh, is the incumbent U.S. Senator from New York State. If you haven't heard from her, well, that wouldn't be shocking. She hasn't really done much. She's essentially a Senator Chuck Schumer's sock puppet. She uh, votes however he tells her to vote. Now, when she was an upstate Democrat congresswoman, she was uh, actually a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Uh, she was appointed to the U.S. Senate uh, by Governor David Patterson. Patterson himself became governor uh, upon the resignation of Governor Elliot Spitzer, uh, who resigned in a sex scandal. Uh, Patterson went on to become governor when Hillary Clinton abandoned this seat to become Secretary of State. Uh, that vacancy was filled by Ms. Gillibrand. Uh, her poll numbers are not strong. She has uh, no presence in New York State. She actually, I don't think, lives in the state. She essentially has moved to Washington, D.C., uh, her father, who is now retired, once one of the most prominent and influential lobbyists in Albany, uh, and her patron, Chuck Schumer, will be certain that, that she has no shortage of campaign money. Uh, it is vitally important, in my opinion, that the New York Republican Party nominate someone uh, who is a full-throated supporter of President Donald Trump. Uh, someone who supports the America First agenda. Now, to set the table here, Cara Castronova uh, was among those candidates considered uh, by Republican leaders uh, in the third district of New York, that's Long Island, uh, to run in the special election uh, to fill the seat uh, vacated by George Santos uh, when he left uh, the Congress. 
she was not selected in that race. The candidate who was selected, well, she was a Democrat, and she also would never say whether or not she voted for Donald Trump. If you examine the results of that election, which was only a few days ago, uh, Tom Swazi, a former congressman who left the seat to run for governor, came back to win the seat. Uh, but the Republican candidate actually underperformed in the Republican areas. Now, uh, be, just for this long-winded setup, Republican leaders will meet on Thursday uh, to determine who their endorsed candidate for the U.S. Senate will be. There are two other candidates. We're not here really to talk about them. We're talking about Cara Castronova, who I know to be one of the hardest working patriots in the country, a woman of impeccable background uh, who actually had a career as a boxer, as a professional ranked boxer, uh, as an investigative journalist and as an activist. All right, Cara, why are you running for the U.S. Senate? Well, I'm running for U.S. Senate because, you know, I'm America first. I'm frustrated here in New York with, you know, I don't think the representatives in New York represent the people. Everybody says that New York is far gone and it's a blue state. But in my opinion, we're just not putting up the right leaders and, and putting up the right people to run for office. I think that I am definitely the person that could beat Kirsten Gildebrandt. Um, I'm a woman. I could come at her in different ways that a man can't come at her. Uh, I don't have any respect for what she's done for the state of New York. I don't like the way that she votes. I don't like the way that she's just completely MIA. So I, I think that I would be a great candidate to beat her. Roger. And I really thank you so much for your support. Um, your name goes very far in New York. A lot of people in New York really respect Roger Stone. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, in the meantime, I see that uh, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani uh, has endorsed you. Uh, General Michael Flynn, one of the greatest living Americans of my lifetime, has uh, endorsed you. I read a terrific piece about your prospective candidacy in the Gateway Pundit, uh, where you've done some of your very best investigative journalism. Uh, tell us how the system works in the party's selection and endorsement uh, of a candidate. Well, I'm very hopeful that I'm hoping for a primary. The way that it works here in New York is there's 62 counties and that there's 62 county chairs. So this Thursday in Binghamton, New York, everybody will get together and they will vote. And if you could obtain 25%, so really there could be four candidates. Um, usually they avoid doing that, but there could be more than one candidate if you get 25% of the weighted vote, meaning each county has a different percentage of however many uh, voters came out and voted in the last election, the last gubernatorial election. Um, we'll get like Nassau County has 11%, um, but a county upstate might have 3% of the weighted vote. So if I could obtain 25% of that weighted vote, then I can actually go into the primary and uh, primary Mike Sapricone, who Right now, it looks like he has at least 50% of the weighted vote. He has some backing of the establishment and the uh, Republican Party here in New York. And um, I think that there are some people, though, out there, and I've been speaking to chairmen up and down the state, chairwomen. They're all great people. A lot of them are considering me. They're considering supporting me. Some aren't making decisions until the actual convention, the day of the convention. Some already um, are committed to different candidates. There's another gentleman in the race as well. And... Um, some, some people are making commitments and some people are just waiting until Wednesday or Thursday to see who they're going to support. Uh, look, uh, New York State uh, Republican politics has a long tradition of following a hierarchical leadership. 
the New York State Republican Party chairman, Ed Cox, is a personal friend of mine. Uh, he is, of course, the son-in-law of former President Richard Nixon. Uh, it, is a, it is a democratic system, meaning that the county chairs can cast their vote for whoever they wish. Uh, the two gentlemen you are running against have a long, long head start against you. Uh, and while our purpose here today uh, is not to attack other candidates, it did come to my attention this morning that Mr. Sapricone has given an enormous amount of money uh, to Democrats and to specifically to uh, Congressman Tom Suozzi, who won the special election. Uh, does Mr. Sapricone indicate whether he supported Donald Trump or whether he would support him in 2024? I really haven't seen anything regarding that. All I know is that I'm a candidate that 100% supports Donald Trump in 2024. There's no denying that. I, I'm not wishy-washy. I double down. Donald Trump was the greatest president in my lifetime, and he had great policies that I wish we could bring back. I think Joe Biden, obviously, we, it's a given. He's doing a terrible job. People in New York realize that it's a wide open opportunity for somebody like me to come in, somebody who's America first, somebody who's not afraid to align myself with President Trump, to go up and down the state campaigning, you know, campaigning for, for myself and for America first values. I was in the Bronx. I'm sure a lot of people watching saw the viral package that President Trump shared twice of me being in the Bronx, um, actually interviewing people, minorities in the Bronx, the most Democrat district, 90% Democrat, screaming Trump 2024, literally in the South Bronx, from the streets of the Bronx. He has so much support down there. And that really opened my eyes. And that's another reason I wanted to mention why I decided that it would be a great time to run for office, especially something statewide like the Senate seat, because there are so many different groups in, in, in New York right now that are just so frustrated with the Democrat policies and are so... Uh, groups that never before would have looked at voting for somebody like Donald Trump or for America First Patriot person are looking at that. And that includes the, you know, the minority communities um, and and a lot of people in the inner cities as well. Uh, so, uh, look, I know you as an investigative journalist uh, uh, and uh, I know you as an activist. Uh, tell my listeners, however, about your athletic career. Tell us about uh, your experience uh, uh, as a ranked boxer. Well, I was, uh, you know, going back some time now, but it seems like just yesterday I was a competitive boxer. I won the Golden Gloves twice here in New York in Madison Square Garden. I was ranked number two in the nation by USA Boxing. So I really, you know, know what it feels like to fight hard for something. I know what it feels like to win. I know what it feels like to lose. It's really just for me about the fight, the harder the challenges and the more the more punches that are thrown at me, literally the harder I fight. Um, so I, like I said, I think that boxing and all the hard training that I did really prepared me for things like running for office, but the investigative work that I've done at the Gateway Pundit for the journalism that I do, which is pretty fearless because I really go up against the machine sometimes and I really go to bat for people and I really try to be a voice for the voiceless like the January 6th prisoners and stuff like that isn't exactly popular uh, at all. And I, I do it anyway because I, I, I feel like it's my calling just to fight for people that can't fight for themselves. And one of the reasons why, again, I would love to be uh, representing people here in New York in the Senate, because so many New Yorkers feel forgotten in Washington, DC. There's so many Republicans that are here in New York that are even afraid to say they're Republican, that need a representative like me that's not afraid, somebody that's that will be their voice and somebody that will fight for their best interests. So boxing has been a blessing in so many ways. Um, 
besides the fact that, you know, I, I had injuries where I lost my eardrum and I had many concussions in my 20s, I think the trade-off was worth it now, uh, looking back at the training that I did mentally and spiritually and physically, that makes me really um, conditioned to do a, a race as, as large and as taxing as a Senate race would be. Uh, very, very well put. Uh, look, I think the quality uh, in a boxer or any professional athlete uh, is the same necessary quality uh, in a candidate for political office or a political leader, and that is discipline. Uh, and you most definitely have discipline and the stamina for a tough race. Troy, do you have a question for Kara Castronova? Absolutely. Yeah. You talked about uh, going to the Bronx and seeing people talking about Trump 2024. Was there a specific thing that happened in New York City that kind of pushed people in that direction in the last few years? Was it Biden, the immigration? What exactly would you point at? It's a number of things. It's, they hate Biden. I mean, I, I kid you not when I tell you, I, I never thought I'd be walking in the South Bronx and hearing F Joe Biden. When I asked somebody a question with my news mic and said, you know, what do you think of how Joe Biden is handling the economy? People walking by on the street would just start screaming F Joe Biden. I was like, am I in La La Land? Because that never has happened before. I've been in the Bronx reporting on many different issues and I've never seen that before. They're really upset, number one, and first and foremost about the economy. Um, people in the Bronx, a lot of them live right, I mean, they live well below the poverty line. And, you know, all they could talk about was how food prices had gone up and, and and about how they can't afford to live anymore and how Biden was putting the soon they were they were going to need to go to the homeless shelter. So, you know, they feel it the most people that are obviously at the poverty line or below feel the how the economy is so terrible more than anybody else when they have to choose between a loaf of bread or eggs, literally have to make that choice in the store. And that's like the honest to God's truth. That was what I was hearing from them. A lot of them were very frustrated as well. Um with Biden um, and his in foreign affairs saying that when, when Trump was in office, there were no wars. You know, we weren't sending millions of dollars away. We, we could have kept that money here. So why is it that Donald Trump, when he was in office, we had world peace? So that was another uh, thing that I was hearing from the people in the Bronx as well. And the immigration crisis, of course, there's multiple shelters popping up here in New York and many, many people in the communities of the Bronx, uh, minorities, um, people that are white people that are living below the poverty line, uh, black, Asian, Hispanics, everybody, it's across the board, are frustrated that these this money, billions of dollars are going to illegal immigrants when they themselves cannot afford rent, they themselves are living paycheck to paycheck. It's literally hard, a woman told me, for her to buy a meal at McDonald's, to treat herself to a meal at McDonald's, yet immigrants are getting here in New York City debit cards that are loaded with cash and they're getting to stay at luxury hotels. So this is something that's really almost like a smack in the face to the people in New York City in the urban areas. All right, so folks, just so you understand the process, Cara uh, Castronova has to get 25% uh, at a Republican state committee meeting, which comes up on Thursday. That will legally qualify her to go into the Republican primary without having to collect the necessary signatures to get on the ballot. Now, the requirements for signature collection are extraordinarily onerous. Uh, they're difficult, uh, they're expensive, uh, and the state law gives you a very, very narrow time frame uh, in which they need to be uh, collected. So uh, it is uh, vital that Cara uh, Castronova get 25% of the vote of the Republican State Committee to secure a place uh, on the ballot. You can help her do that uh, by going to her campaign website, 
Let's put that back up uh, under Kara's uh, photo, if we could. There you have it, Kara Kostanova at karaforsenate.com, karaforsenate.com. Folks, go to the website and help this valiant patriot. She is the right woman at the right time. Uh, this will be a difficult uphill race for any Republican against uh, incumbent Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, but knowing her, uh, I know that Cara Castronova is the right person for this job. Cara, thank you so much for joining us today in the Stone Zone. I know you've got a huge amount of work to do today. Make sure you get sufficient rest. You were great uh, on the radio this morning. And I thank you again for entering the Stone Zone. God bless you, Roger. Both of you. All right, folks, that was Cara Castronova, endorsed uh, by Rudy Giuliani for the U.S. Senate in New York, endorsed uh, by General Flynn. Uh, I've also, for what it's worth, lent my endorsement. Uh, she is admittedly, Troy, gotten into this race very late. Uh, she auditioned, uh, or I should say she was interviewed, for the Republican nomination in the 3rd District. The uh, That's the Long Island District uh, given up by George Santos, who was removed from the seat by the U.S. House, uh, despite the fact that his due process rights had not played out. He had not yet been convicted of a crime. I'm not particularly a fan of Mr. Santos, uh, but I do believe that based on precedent, uh, only a conviction, not an accusation, should remove you from the House. Unfortunately, House Republicans saw that differently. Uh, we nominated a woman named Maisie Phillip, uh, who was actually a registered Democrat uh, and who refused to embrace either Donald Trump uh, or the America First agenda. And of course, we lost. We should not make that mistake again. Cara uh, Castronova, most definitely uh, the right person uh, for this nomination. So I hope folks will support her. Uh, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. Uh, and then when we come back, I'm going to show you an extraordinary interview by former Congressman Tulsi Gabbard, who I believe should be on the short list of those uh, considered uh, by Donald Trump as a potential vice presidential running mate. Uh, folks, I don't uh, endorse products lightly. Uh, I've long been practicing uh, alternative medicine, uh, treated uh, prophylactically uh, with acupuncture, uh, take a daily combination of Chinese herbs and other natural supplements to boost my immunity and energy. But I want to tell you about a great product that has changed my life. That product uh, is Cardio Miracle. Now, Cardio Miracle is uh, a nitric oxide product. Uh, it is uh, a crucial uh, ingredient. It's essential for life, involved in many critical body functions, especially keeping arteries uh, and your heart young and flexible. So this is a heart healthy product. Uh, it is uh, vital for keeping blood pressure and cholesterol level healthy. Uh, it supports the anti-inflammatory response it promotes overall good health and a sense of well-being. Uh, but most importantly for me, it supports natural energy and better recovery. Uh, Cardio Miracle uh, is uh, simple to take. Uh, it is uh, taken twice a day, uh, a small capful uh, mixed with either water or juice. 
Uh, it uh, tastes like raspberry. It's quite pleasant. Uh, and uh, the uptick in my energy has been extraordinary. Now, I'm not do a doctor and I don't make any medical claims other than this is a all natural supplement that I think can completely change your life. Uh, it is, as I say, a mix of nitric oxide, uh, their own proprietary blend, uh, mixed with all of the other antioxidants that one needs on a regular basis. Uh, you can take this in lieu of a daily vitamin, for example. So to order this amazing product, which you will find extraordinarily affordable, please go to cardiomiracle.com, cardiomiracle.com. And when you go there, please use promo code STONE. I only endorse uh, products that I really believe in. This is one such great product. All right. Tulsi Gabbard, a former Democrat congressman from Hawaii, uh, a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve, uh, a veteran of the Iraq War, a championship surfer, uh, and a major advocate uh, against the war machine, was interviewed on Fox yesterday. Let's take a look. Tulsi Gabbard, oh, yeah. former Hawaii Hunter, Hawaii Fox News contributor. Tulsi, um, Donald Trump said you have to pay your own way. That is your obligation, 2.5% of your GDP to your military. Most nations still haven't gotten up to that level. But Trump's the uh, pro-Putin sympathizer just for saying that? Yeah, Laura, you've, you've seen this tactic before when the Biden administration and Hillary Clinton and all these warmongers start fear-mongering. It's because they're trying to distract the American people away from what's actually happening. And when you look at what Trump is doing, he's talking about very real issues that the American people care about. He's talking about how the open, our, our open borders, Biden's open borders, are destroying our country. He's talking about the rising inflation. He's talking about rampant crime in our streets. And now with NATO, he is forcing the American people and NATO members to be confronted with some very serious and important questions. For us, what is the role of NATO? Does our membership in NATO serve our national security interests? And if it does, then how much are we, the American people, willing to put on the line in our taxpayer dollars and in American lives? And how much are these NATO members willing to put on the line in their money and the lives of their citizens? We cannot allow ourselves, the United States of America and the American people, to continue to be in this position where these NATO members expect us to put up our money. They expect us to put up the lives of my brothers and sisters in uniform to protect them when they're not even willing to do that for themselves. Well, I want to remind everyone what Donald Trump said about NATO, which caused such a huge controversy back in 2017. They never forgot this. Watch. NATO members must finally contribute their fair share and meet their financial obligations. 23 of the 28 member nations are still not paying what they should be paying. This is not fair to the people and taxpayers of the United States. Over the last eight years, the United States spent more on defense than all other NATO countries combined. He uttered that which you're never supposed to utter, that everyone's supposed to pay their fair share. Now, there's been some improvement Tulsi on this, but clearly Europe still, even the New York Times had to concede, and quoting those 
officials in Munich that they're still not anywhere near that where they have to be if they think Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia and Ukraine are going to be invaded by Vladimir Putin tomorrow. That's right. You know, it's interesting that that Biden and Hillary Clinton and these warmongers, they don't want this conversation to happen and they don't want uh, uh, this very simple question to be asked is why does it take Donald Trump to try to pressure these countries into paying the bare minimum to maintain their membership in NATO uh, if, if they were really that concerned about Russia invading their countries and the, the safety, security and well-being of their citizens? Don't you think that they would be lining up and, and making these investments in their own security, putting themselves on the line to defend themselves? Uh, this is a harsh reality that we need to be confronted with here in our own country, and these NATO members need to be confronted with as well. What do you think the reaction would be, Tulsi, if Biden and Kamala Harris and Blinken, they went around to college campuses and they basically made the pitch for the U.S. to go to war uh, for these you know, former Eastern European countries? And I mean, do they think that was I think that's going to work politically for them, that there's a groundswell of a desire for us to go really all in? Yeah, and, and this is this is really the the sad and, and sickening truth is that people like Blinken and Hillary Clinton and others who are so willing to go and wage these wars in other countries, they are willing to sacrifice other people's lives. I've been to Ukraine a few times. I went there actually during my r and uh, during my deployment to Iraq in 2005, made some great friends there in Ukraine who are terrified now that their husbands are going to be forcibly drafted to go and fight in this war. They are angered that the United States has stood in the way of attempts to bring about a peaceful resolution to this war. And once again, who is behind this and who is profiting from it? Ukrainian lives are being sacrificed almost 500,000, and you have these people who are fueling the military-industrial complex saying, no, keep fighting this war, because they're not willing to put themselves or their children on the line. Tulsi, great to see you. Now, Tulsi Gabbard uh, is a former Democrat, now an independent. Um, she has been a major critic of the neocons uh, in the uniparty war machine. Personally, I think she is among those who should be considered uh, as a vice presidential candidate. Uh, president Richard Nixon once told me that in selecting a vice presidential running mate, that uh, you should look for someone who helps you just find someone who doesn't hurt you. Uh, that view may be a bit cynical. I think here the first and foremost requirement is that President Trump must select an individual who is fully qualified and has both the judgment and the experience, as well as the temperament to fulfill the duties of the presidency if, God forbid, Donald Trump were unable to fulfill his term. Secondarily, then, you must have uh, a running mate who shares your vision, who supports uh, the president's agenda the days of balancing the ticket, uh, uh, then perceived liberal Democrat John F. Kennedy choosing then perceived uh, moderate conservative, in fact, segregationist Lyndon Johnson. 
is seen as the balancing of the ticket. Uh, Ronald Reagan, an outsider, uh, a, 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 a peace through strength, a conservative in the tradition of uh, Goldwater, in the tradition of Eisenhower, selected George H.W. Bush, the father of the neocons. That would be considered ticket balancing. Uh, in this particular case, uh, the Republican Party has changed. Uh, we are a largely uh, right-of-center party. There are no more liberal Republicans. In fact, there are really no more moderate Republicans. There are establishment Republicans who give voice to the Trump agenda, who give voice to the America First agenda, but who undermine it at every term. I don't know, Lindsey Graham comes to mind. Uh, it is essential, therefore, that Trump choose someone who is committed to his overall America first agenda. Then there are the political considerations. Uh, I think he needs to choose a candidate who will help him gain some new votes. Uh, first and foremost, he must choose someone acceptable to his base. Uh, I would argue that Tulsi Gabbard's record on these important war and peace issues, the fact that she's now supporting his uh, views on NATO while he is under withering attack from the neocons for stating the obvious that our NATO allies should pay their fair share, uh, is a perfect demonstration of why um, she could be trusted as uh, that candidate. Uh, I also think that um, she has a potential outrage to millennials. Uh, she has a potential outreach to Democrats. She was once actually vice chairman of the Democratic National Committee. Now, she herself has had a political odyssey. She uh, was a once a more liberal Democrat than she is today. Let me point out to you that Ronald Reagan was a liberal Democrat, the most liberal Democrat. Uh, there was an evolution in his political thinking. Now, I'm not saying uh, that there aren't other good candidates under consideration. If the president has a short list, well, he hasn't shared it with me, at least not yet. I don't think he's shared it uh, with anyone, uh, but it is his prerogative to uh, select uh, a running mate uh, using the criteria that we discussed. Um, I, I do think you want somebody uh, who is uh, unexpected, someone uh, who is sure-footed, someone who's not going to make mistakes. Uh, the advantages of a candidate like, say, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, or Tulsi Gabbard for that matter, is that they have both run for president, and therefore they really understand how the system, and particularly the news cycle, uh, and uh, the vipers in the fake news media, who are seeking, if you are the Republican nominee, to trip you up from day one, operate. Uh, and in that sense, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, like Dr. Carson, uh, would be sure-footed. On the other hand, you do need someone who helps you reach beyond your base without enraging or breaking your base. It's an extraordinarily difficult choice that, that uh, Donald Trump must make. I trust him to make it. Um, he's going to be the nominee. He is going to win the South Carolina primary 
uh, with a commanding margin over the former governor, Nikki Haley. Uh, and well, if you're thinking about Nikki Haley for vice president, the answer is no. Actually, the answer is hell no. The days of balancing the ticket uh, are over. And while if Donald Trump chose uh, Nikki Haley as his vice presidential running mate and they were to get elected, Donald Trump would need a food taster. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us today on the Stone Zone. Uh, as a last minute housekeeping matter, please go by mypillow.com. And when you do, use promo code STONE. Now, the small commissions we earn at mypillow.com keep the lights on here at the Stone Zone. Uh, so whether it is pillows or blankets or towels or bedding or the terrific dog beds or the terrific uh, pet blankets or any of the great products at mypillow.com, you can help that great American patriot, Mike Lindell, who's under siege from the same people who are attacking Donald Trump uh, and me. Uh, you can also get some of the greatest products in the world with a money-back guarantee of 30 days, uh, and you can support us right here at the Stone Zone. So please uh, go to MyPillow.com, and when you do, use promo code STONE. There it is, promo code STONE. Uh, until tomorrow, uh, thank you for joining us on the Stone Zone. I want to thank my co-host, uh, Troy Smith. I also want to thank Cara Castronova, the newly minted candidate for the U.S. Senate in the state of New York. Until tomorrow, God bless you and Godspeed. Thank you.